I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David. This is your new episode of Baselayer. I have Ahmed with me today, the co-founder of Myconomy. Ahmed, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Great. So Myconomy is the next-gen multi-chain relayer protocol, and they say they're making Web3 frictionless and mainstream, something that is very interesting to those that are following this new Web3 dynamic. Uh, we'll talk all about what the, the project is aiming to do and how they're doing it and some of the pain points that they're trying to solve. Uh, but before we get too far into that, like we would like to do on all of our shows is talk to our founders and co-founders and see what they did before, see how they got involved and see how they got inspired to be building what they're building today. So, Ahmed, could you share with us, what did you do before this, uh, obviously building this out? What was your inspiration for kind of tackling the issues that you're tackling there? Uh, share with us a little bit about that. And then we'll obviously talk about, as I said, some of the, the problems that you are trying to solve. Absolutely. So it's uh, it's actually funny when, um, you know, before before I started uh, by economy, um, I was actually working at a venture fund called uh, Jabbar Internet Group. They're one of the sort of uh, largest uh, VCs in, in the Middle East. Um, they're based in Dubai. And uh, they're really interested in, interested in blockchain and crypto and um, uh, funnily, you know, something that probably everyone's forgotten, um, security token offerings as well. <laughs> um, so I was working with them trying to sort of, you know, uh, make them understand uh, the blockchain space a bit more um, and, you know, and sort of making investments into the space. And on the side, um, because in crypto, we always have things we do on the side. Um, I was, uh, with my, with my current co-founders, uh, Anikat and, uh, Sachin. We were actually, um, really interested in staking. We were building, um, sort of a very simple sort of staking operation where we wanted to, um, really test it out and see, you know, what it would be like. Um, and so we, we built this out over the, you know, you know, first couple of months when we were working together, um, and uh, we also had invested in sort of the, the the Tezos ICO. And so we thought, you know, we have a bunch of Tezos. We could stake it and see how it goes. And then we sort of just realized that, okay, after, you know, staking and seeing seeing the operation roll out, we thought, okay, what, you know, these networks are now secure and live. But we asked ourselves the questions, where, where, are, where are the dApps and where are the end users, right? And, and so for us, that's when the turning point started because... We just thought that, hey, like this is very hard for um, a developers to actually build on sort of these networks because mm-hmm. the you know there's there's so much that needs to go into developer tooling, but also at the same time, once they do build a DAP, um, end users, the, you know, the UX um, is just a huge nightmare for um, for them to actually be onboarded and and to ultimately use them. And so we just thought, you know, this would be great to you know. 
um, to actually solve for this problem. And that's when, and it was, I'd say we were very lucky because we actually had worked together as, you know, us three co-founders before actually starting by economy. So we kind of knew everyone's sort of work rhythm and we sort of built trust and all, um, during the, the first couple of months we worked together. And so, yeah, that's sort of when, when I jumped ship and started by economy with, with the guys. So. Biconomy's aim is to make Web3 products as intuitive and easy to use as legacy Web2 products. And so the majority of the people that are out there listening probably don't understand the complexities that are involved in what we use today from searching to even you know trying to find your favorite song on Spotify, the, the transactions and layers of transactions the layer of searching and indexing and query, all the things that happen mm -hmm. instantaneously to get your favorite pop song on Spotify, if you will. And so many people have a blind eye to that. It's just something that yeah. happens and they expect it to happen incredibly fast. And so you are trying to simplify the transaction experience and obviously give people a very enjoyable time on decentralized projects. So when we talk about decentralization, we talk about obviously some of the things that we've seen on decentralized applications. Um, one of the, as you alluded to, one of the pain points um, is this idea of the technical term is GUI, but people call it gas, which is a piece of mm -hmm. Ethereum that you use to obviously get your transaction or your computation done faster. Um, and I think you alluded to this, and I think it's quite a very interesting way of uh, thinking about this. Netflix does not charge you their AWS fees for every time you watch a video. So why mm -hmm. are decentralized applications charging you gas for every interaction you do? Talk to us about gas, uh, because gas has been a specific flashpoint over the last few months, especially on the Ethereum side. Um, mm -hmm. And you've seen this new move to uh, layer ones that don't necessarily have that issue or that piece of the puzzle of gas, um, namely Solana. So mm -hmm. what is going on here? Tell us, you know, those that are trying to learn about this, you know, as I said, again, gas is something that you use to effectually make your transaction go faster on the blockchain. Uh, what is what is happening here? Uh, and how is your project how does how do you guys figure this out yeah no really really good question um so so for us you know we've you know it i, I would say you know we we thought about it from from a macro point right and you know and when we when we look at gas essentially the, the reason why it exists is so that there is really sort of no spam on these blockchain networks right and that, that's you know it's it's used as both you know the as as revenue for the validators or miners but also that the you know a secondary byproduct of it is that it just reduces spam right um so if you're going to do an ethereum transaction you really got to calculate <laughs> you know um how much eth you're willing to spend right um and so for us you know when when we were building out by economy this was you know we 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 sort of looked far into the future and said okay if these blockchain networks were to succeed gas would have to be extremely low right because we'd want millions um and of course potentially billions of people using you know projects on these decentralized networks um and so that basically means gas has to be cheap um and for 
And if it does become cheap, right, um, then, then what happens, right? And then we thought, oh, great, like this is, you know, uh, much like where we see lots of things sponsored, um, you know, we'll probably see projects actually sponsoring the gas fees for their end users. Um, but they, but, but I mean, this needs to be managed, right? This needs to be an easy process for developers. They need to be able to apply limits and everything and so on and so forth. Um, and so that, that's how we thought about, you know, sponsorship as, as sort of one way, right? And this is broadly in the technical term in the Ethereum community has been called um, meta transactions. Um, uh, and so, so that's one part of it, right? Um, in terms of the, the sponsoring of gas fees. And then there's the second part of it, how we thought about it was, again, potentially far down in the future, we'll probably have advertisers sponsoring gas fees, right? Um, uh, in order to sort of allow end users to come in and actually um, use or access products. Um, and then the third type is that maybe, you know, gas fees will become low to an extent where end users could potentially have, you know, have a very similar model where they're paying you know, a monthly, you know, fee, right, to access a product. And part of those fees would basically cover gas and the end user doesn't know, right? So, so you know, we just feel that, you know, th these, you know, elements will, will definitely be um, really important in the years to come, wow. especially, you know, when end users come in and try and access these applications and have different wallets, they always need the native token of that particular blockchain, which is always, you know, a hassle, right? And when you look at any legacy Web2 product, they always think, how can we reduce the number of steps it takes an end user to get from A to B or sorry, A to, you know, Z, right? And so they want to reduce the number of steps and, you know, just reducing the complexity of gas from end users is, you know, a huge pain point that we're still, you know, all trying to figure out really. <laughs> I have an interesting idea and something that, I was thinking about last night before I knew that we were going to have this conversation is that could it not also work where if you have a super user on, you know, Ethereum, they're minting a lot of NFTs or potentially, you know, staking and doing a lot of yield farming on DeFi. And, you know, they're doing something, you, you mentioned like a monthly subscription, but what if there's a super user who after three months has already paid subsequent amount of guay of gas and for the rest of the year they're subsidized they're not they don't have to pay anymore whereas those that are new or potentially not doing very much on the ecosystem <clears throat> have to pay more is there a way to kind of make it a, a sliding scale where those that are using the system highly uh, and have already paid a tremendous amount of gas can somehow be remediated or kind of uh, have their, their kind of almost like a subsidization. See, no, no, that's interesting. So this is like thinking of it from a specific end user point of view and maybe building an application specific to that end user, right? So at least for us at Bioeconomy, how we've been thinking about it is Kate, like making it easy for dApps to enable this, um, you know, at whatever scale they need to enable it, right? Um, so they could potentially at the DAP level do this for their end users if they so wish, right? But what we've seen, um, uh, at least with the projects that we're working with, um, those who understand this whole concept just want to, you know, remove the entire need of gas fees away, right? Um, and I feel that for, for super users, um, 
again, for super users, you'll probably have a lot more bespoke solutions, maybe like um, flashbots or blocks routes sort mm -hmm. of uh, model, right? Where they connect straight away to miners. Um, and that is interesting. But for us, you know, our, our users are not really, or, or the, the users that we, you know, that we're looking to target um, for the dApps that we're working with, we're not, are not super users on ETH, right? That's a very, that they probably represent less than 0.1% of the entire population. Right. Whereas we're trying to target 99.9% .9 of the population. Um, yeah. And so, you know, for us, we're thinking, how can we target the, the mass audience and the mass market that haven't already gone to crypto? Um, in order to just be able to access things very easily. And this is why a lot of our recent traction has come from, um, networks like Polygon and XDAI, where, you know, fees are so cheap, right? That if you're a DAP that's released a token that has protocol revenue, you could easily pay $20 a month of fees for, you know, your thousands of end users, right? So the, the economic model here is very different between every other chain versus Ethereum. Ethereum is just very expensive, whereas every everything else is very manageable, really, um, when, when you really look at it. Um, and so, you know, this is why we're excited about, you know, Arbitrum, Optimism, Solana. Hopefully that chain will be supporting next as well, um, where gas fees are very low. And if you're a protocol, you'll be like, yeah, like the, these gas fees, you could just, you know, um, just sponsor because it doesn't really hurt us, right? Um, and so, but, but on Ethereum, it's a different story, right? On Ethereum, we actually have a couple of dApps who are doing this, but they, who, who are sponsoring the gas fees, but they know that they're getting an economic benefit, mm. you know, for doing so. And if you look at OpenSea, OpenSea are sponsoring all the buy transactions or most of the buy transactions, right? On the platform, but they're doing this because they know and, and they're sponsoring the ETH fees, but they're doing it because they know they're recuperating it from the, you know, from the percentage cut that they get. Right. Right. So it's a very different economic model, but also a different target user group for us. So in addition to gas, one of the other things that you guys are working on or trying to solve is, you know, you define it as the complexity and technicalities required to actually use a lot of the decentralized applications. If you're using a DeFi platform or if you're trying to play a blockchain-based game over the last few years, you would have to obviously have MetaMask and sign transactions and understand gas. And so how are you trying to make the user experience besides gas? You know, obviously we talked a lot about gas already, but the mm. user experience, how are you trying to work with projects in the space to make that more enjoyable and more, as you say, Web2? Yeah, really good question. So, I mean, our focus has, especially on, on the, on removing the, the gas complexity, um, that, that is something that we're particularly focused on to, to ensure that it's, um, it's as solvable and as easy to integrate and as scalable as possible. Um, so just to give a quick example, um, it, when an end user comes onto a, you know, into one of the dApps that we support, um, and they do any form of transaction, all they'd have to do is sign a message, right? Um, and when they sign a message, it's like, you know, um, it's like basically when a, in a web two legacy app, it says, do you confirm this transaction, 
right? It's, it's sort of a similar thing. I'm going to say yes or confirm. That's your signature, really. Um, and it's your signature in the Web3 sense. And so, um, but what's great about that, right? Not only is it, is there a gasless element involved, but, but also the element that we are, we're able to connect to any Web3 wallet, right? So we're not really, you know, um, pigeonholed just to MetaMask, right? Basically, um, any, any end user which uses any Web3 wallet really would, um, have have this functionality which is great um and that sort of comes out of the box um another thing is as we've you know gone to layer two networks and um and these commit chains as well um you know when like the dap could easily configure a way whereby if an end user um is um on their dap they don't need to change um the rpc um settings on their metamask um so that basically means from the Ethereum wallet itself, they could easily sign transactions, right? So this sort of removes that complexity away of having to change the RPC method and everything, right? Which no, you know, average Joe will, will ever do in their life, right? Um, and so, so that, that's one other way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and recently what we've just experimented on as well is, um, Again, we, we think gas is important and gas could be thought of in different ways. And one thing that we're still experimenting with, um, is, um, allowing end users to pay gas fees in different tokens, right? So the idea is that if you're, um, you know, you're on, you know, you're, you're swapping, you know, your, uh, die for, um, unis, you know, uni tokens, right? Mm-hmm. Why can't you pay your gas fees in die? Um, and that's something we, you know, we've got, you know, an, an initial V0.1 solution for that. And we have one DAP that's actually using it called the idle finance. Um, we believe this will, you know, be something that, you know, lots of teams will try and figure out, um, or wallet teams will try and figure out in the future. And this is something that we believe will become a key part of the user experience because having gas fees denominated in other tokens or in the token you're transacting in is, a way better, you know, um, flow and and journey for for the end user. Right. I think the last thing I want to talk about is uh, another thing that you have been working on called Hyphen. Yep. Correct. Um, which you know, again, this idea for those that are unfamiliar, you know, you have Ethereum Layer One, where you are, you know, maybe you know, minting a NFT, um, mm-hmm. and then you use something like a Polygon. Um, where again, that's a layer two, where the idea is that Polygon is there to kind of make things go faster for, for layer one. It's called the layer two for those that are unfamiliar with these terminologies. Um, and so the, the problem, if you will, is mm-hmm. that when you transfer funds from layer two to, you know, using a bridge is what we call it, that can yep. take you anywhere between 40 minutes and seven days. Yep. Um, and for anyone who was, you know, early days, a few years ago, ever sent a Bitcoin transaction, you have the heart palpitations where you don't know if you've done it right. And you're, you know, obviously very nervous. And imagine waiting for seven days. That's not a pleasant time experience. And so for what you guys have been working on is a way to provide cheaper and instant transfer funds by maintaining token liquid to- uh, tokens liquidity on both sides of the chains. And so right. you have this idea of the watchtower and ex- executors or executors. Um, um, mm-hmm. And so 
what are these pieces and talk about hyphen a little bit in terms of what the idea and kind of the grand vision here is. Yeah. I mean, so to, to give like a quick backstory on this, I mean, um, for, for us, our, you know, our grand idea for, for by economy is how we can make web three as frictionless as possible. So when we started with gasless, right. Um, that was sort of the first part we, we experimented with, with allowing end users to pay tokens in different uh, gas in different token. Um, but then a lot of dApps said, Hey, we, you know, gas, this is working and it's great. But our end, but our end users on L2, which is, you know, the layer two networks that David described, they want to quickly and easily port their funds. Right. And, and for us, this is like, yeah, this is a no brainer. This fits within and aligns within our overall, you know, thesis. Um, particularly the, the multi-chain thesis that we also saw as well. And, um, and so hyphen really was born out of a lot of, you know, customer feedback, um, and sort of just seeing these problems, um, of, you know, the, the four, you know, the, the, the 40 day withdrawal period or the seven or, or take seven minutes to deposit into Polygon, right? Like for us, things should be instant, right? Um, and not just instant, but also cheap to use. Um, and so the way we really built um, hyphen was to be both very developer friendly so that developers could easily integrate this into their application so that end users could just port funds within the app itself without having to go elsewhere. Um, and also it could, it will be its own standalone application with its own UI and so on and so forth. And so that's really how we, we, um, you know, envisioned, um, hyphen, um, at least from, from the, the beginning. Um, and, and yeah, and you correctly said, right? Like we, we basically have sort of liquidity, um, on both sides of, 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 of the network. So like we currently support Ethereum and Polygon. Um, and so that basically means we have, uh, uh, liquidity of the tokens that we support. Um, the tokens we currently support are USDT, USDC and ETH. Um, and so we have liquidity pools of these different assets on Ethereum and also on Polygon. And what that basically means is, is that when an end user wants to do a transaction, um, they could do it very instantly. And we so far provide sort of the cheapest way to do it because the end user only pays, um, a one-time, you know, um, gas deposit function every time they, they move funds from, you know, one side to the other. Right. And so, um, you know, and so, and so that, that way you could think of it as like a transfer wise as well, right? Transfer wise, when they move money, you know, from one country to another, they don't really move it. They sort of settle the balances on, mm-hmm. you know, w- within the accounts they operate. And so what we're doing all for our first iteration, um, that keeps, you know, very easy, you know, very cheap as well for, for the end user. Um, and, and of course the, the grand vision for that, as well as, you know, for, and th- this is why the multi-chain relay protocol, you know, for narrative for us fits very well, because, it, you know, what, what we're doing is we are basically, you know, being a part, we're, we're basically trying to improve and really advance the transactional layer, right? Whether it's gases transactions, cross-chain transactions, or any other form of transactions, right? Um, that that we really believe that could be improved um and and these services are, are very important so this is why sort of this multi-chain radio protocol which is sort of what we're currently building would be 
sort of this decentralized network of relays that would be able to do all these different types of, of transactions. Right. So much to unpack. And I think we just started to, you know, give folks out there an idea of what uh, you are building there at, uh, at Bicomi. And so, you know, what I'd like to do at the end, as you know, is what's the roadmap? What are some of the things that we should be looking at for the next six to 12 months as people start to obviously find you and find obviously the work that you're doing there? What are some of the things that we should be all uh, kind of thinking about for the next six to 12 months from your camp? Absolutely. So, I mean, for us right now, um, in, I, I'd say in the next six months, um, we are heavily focused on um, building our community out, um, rolling out the protocol um, that, that we're building um, and building out hyphen to, to be one of, you know, the best um, um, and fastest way to, to, um, to transfer, you know, your assets and potentially even swap, you know, your, your assets as well um, from one chain to another. Um, and that, that goes on to the next 12 months where, you know, what we really think the future will, will line is how these networks will talk to each other. Um, and, you know, this is where the cross-chain communication element fits in. Um, cross-chain communication, you know, is where easily one smart contract from one chain could, you know, arbitrarily sort of call another contract on another one, right? Um, and so th the architecture that we're sort of building out would lay foundations for um, this, you know, communication layer that, you know, will be a part of, of, of the protocol. So, so that's something that, you know, is, um, is being built out and something that, you know, we, we would love to have, you know, any, anyone who's listening to this would love to, you know, jam on these ideas, would love to support or would love to get feed. Like, you know, we'd also like to provide feedback as well to maybe other projects doing something similar, how we could collaborate as well. So that, that's really, um, you know, um, looking at for the next 12 months. And I would say overall, it's like decentralizing our stack. Got it. Awesome stuff. Again, Ahmed, co-founder of Bikeme, uh, a project I've known for a few years now, one that I've had the pleasure of seeing, obviously, come into its own and solving some very big problems for the user experience of Web3. And so we'll hopefully have you on another six months or so and keep track with you. And uh, good luck on the, the progress going forward. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.